Ladies and gentlemen, Chicago, where you at? The sound of fall. Founders of Filth Radio. With Felix Tauskas. What up, world? My name is Felix the Housecat. You are tuning in episode Off Radio number three. I just want to give everyone a super duper whooper, non-pooper. Thanks for the feedback, the support. Everyone who's been tuning in, it's been amazing. It's been beautiful. I mean that. If you want more information on Founders of Filth, hit us up on foundersoffilth.com or you can hit the subscribe button. And also, if you're in Europa on Fantasy Island, I call it Fantasy Island, Ibiza, you can check me out at my new residency, Leo, on Thursdays, May 23rd till October 3rd. In the meantime, let's get this party started. I had the great opportunity to talk to Carl Craig. He'll be on the show later. But coming up, we got some Prince in the Revolution. We got some Lil Lewis. But let's get this party rocking right now. Tom Tom Club, Lorelei. Far Radio.
special track right here. I'm loving this right here. This is Play the Game by the legendary Kenny Hawks and Lewis Carver. This track came out in 2003 on Music Freaks and then Luke Solomon did a reissue with Johnny Rock and Leon Oakley. So this is like Luke Solomon's tribute to Kenny. We miss you, brother. I used to go down and check them out at Space at Baramba Club and stuff in like the late 90s. So shout out to the Luke Solomon and that classic crew and much respect to the legendary Kenny Hawks. We keeping the spirit alive, brother, just for you. Love you, man.
Skládka.
a new heater. This is a test, but this is not a test. That's the name of the track. This is a test, DJ Pierre.
Sci-Fi Saturn made by Pete on Crosstown Rebels. Shout out to the wizard, Mr. Damian Lazarus. Right here, we got yours truly, Felix the House Cat on Founders of Filth. This is called Mindlined with some help from my man Clarion. The debut prototype, and it goes a little something like Motherfucking house cat. Strangers in the 
started with the one and only Carl Detroit native give it up for Carl Craig what up Carl Craig what up you are episode number three we got Mr. Carl Craig he is like he's like my prince I'm not gonna say my prince nemesis because there's like there's only there's only three prince worthy people that can have a conversation about Prince. It's yourself, 
Dallas Austin and uh, Questlove, you know, and I think y'all knowledge is like, if y'all knowledge on Prince can surpass my knowledge, y'all are like Prince worthy, you know, cause I'm always <laughs> learning something from the three of you, you know? And then I was talking to Questlove at uh, one, of, uh, at one of the post party, we're sitting down, he's sitting behind me, we we're just talking about music. And then I brought up the Prince vibe and he's just, I, I, was, I couldn't even talk no more, you know? Mm -hmm. And for you and you, you know, with you, you know, I, and I only call you in Dallas Prince, <laughs> That's funny. You, I told my girl. I told my girl. I said Carl got the Prince eyes. He got the same color eyes as Prince. <laughs> I said plus Detroit was Prince's favorite city. I said, so, yeah, right. you know, so Carl has the, the, the Prince knowledge, and he's in the favorite city, and he's like more Prince out than me when he steps on the stage. You know, so so thanks, yeah. for, being on, thanks for being on. To show an interview and uh yeah. if y'all know also because I'm I'm just gonna get all my words out and then I'm gonna give you the floor. But just to give people a heads up, me and Carl was born in the same hospital the same year, Highland Park Hospital. I was born in Detroit and um I I've always been like close with Carl, Derek, Juan, even Alton. I haven't heard from him in a oh, while. Yeah. Uh -huh. I haven't heard from him. And I just met uh Kenny Moody Man maybe like two years ago. See, he was like the only one I hadn't grown up with, but um, Kenny Dixon actually, Kenny Dixon is the one that you need to to really have that Prince thing. Like, come to Detroit and we go see Kenny because Kenny has a shrine, Prince shrine, in his building. So Kenny has everything. Like, imagine what you don't have. Kenny has it. And when, when Prince died, um, Kenny was, he had a memorial at his, at his building and he had, you know, magazines from, you know, whether it's guitarist or bass magazine or magazine or, you know, anything that had Prince in it or on the cover he has, he has you know all the all the uh, the vinyl that came out, <clears throat> whether it's concert vinyl, bootleg concert vinyl, or anything that that you know came in some type of press or some type of publication, he has it. Let alone, I would not doubt that he has like you know sources inside of inside of inside that have you know uh demos and and you know all kinds of things that, that were never never available so he's um, pretty much taking the crown from me and you in dallas and quest oh, put together yeah, yeah. see the i i think you might have met him before um he doesn't really talk about medium but i think he i think he might have met him before uh but um you know what quest has is that quest actually played a party for uh, for uh, Prince at Paisley Park, and from what I understand, Prince pulled him off the decks. So, <laughs> yeah, and he Prince fined him for cussing or something. Uh, <laughs> stop cussing. But um, oh my why God. why was Detroit like his favorite city? Like, I think that's incredible. You know, I know you know the history to that. Was they, they were playing his music like when he. <laughs> <laughs> You, got, you know you have to share some of those sound effects. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I just want everybody to know, like... Hold on, I got another Carl, one for you. Hold on. 
Oh man. That's, oh my goodness. My favorite, I'm gonna ask you your favorite Prince song. My favorite Prince songs is probably She's Always in My Hair, yeah. Girl, and of course, Controversy. I, I remember when I first heard Controversy, my mom took me to her her uh, uh, best friend's house. And I, I, I'm a, I think, did I come out in 80, what was it, 82, dedicate, 81, 82? I can't uh, remember. 81, yeah. So when that came out, my mom, her best friend had like three daughters in high school and they had like all these Prince poster posters on their wall and they put on that controversy and I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it was like my first introduction from the female side of Prince when they were sneaking listening to him in their room and I was just a part of like their little their little crew at the time. And I was like, right. I'm in. I was like, I'm in. But what's your favorite your favorite uh Prince track? I know it's a hard question. Ooh, so many of them. Yeah, yeah it changes I, I, up with me, like Ballad of Dorothy Parker. Yeah, one Ballad. Is, yeah, Ballad is up there high for me. Yeah, Ballad well, definitely was, is high. If I was a girlfriend, and then you know, I, I was, I was on um, the, the I think sexuality, the scream. That's the best yeah. scream. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know. So what's yours? Bro? What's yours? Yeah, uh, Bella Dorothy Parker was was a major one for me. Um, free, I love Free. You like free, free was the shit from 1999. Um, DMS. Something in the water. Something in the water is my number one. Something though. in the water not does not. Uh, Lady Cab Driver. I, I love. Of course, of course. And, and then of course, uh, all the critics, all the critics love you in New York. Oh when yeah. I was learning, when I was learning guitar. Oh, you know how to play the guitar, Prince Carl. Yeah, yeah, I was learning for this jeans. Well, they didn't know that. Carl knew how to play the guitar. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's where I started. So when when I was when I was learning, I was learning from this guy, Joe Duco, right? Joe. Joe was like this um yeah, kinda he was a Detroit uh, I wouldn't say he was a Detroit legend in the jazz world, but you know, people knew him in Detroit. He did a lot of sessions and stuff, and he went on to do to score uh, television soundtracks like Xena the Warrior Princess and, and all that kind of stuff. He, uh, you know, he did these series of New Zealand, you know, strange, whatever the hell you call those things. But anyway, um, he was, he was uh, learning how to play. Um, Everything she loves is magic, or some. It was some police song that that. Oh, everything she does is magic. That yeah, that real like uh, uh, expanded piano. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know what? I want to learn this, and I put on uh, Auto Critics Love You in New York, and he's like, man, Auto Critics don't love him in New York. Auto Critics hate him in New York. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> Hater. That's one of my favorites too. That's wild, cause so like, like that's very similar in my story. Cause I was on the piano. I self-taught. My dad played sax. So before I got into like house music, you yeah. know, and I was trying music. My dad was a musician, so I was, I was on, I was like playing regular music. People laugh when I say they're like, okay, regular music. Well, what is house techno? You know. So it was like when 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 I started doing that it wasn't till when purple rain came out and that just freaked me out because it was this dude i had a clarinet and band class and this dude went over to the piano and he started playing the beautiful ones while i was in band class and, mm-hmm. and all the girls ran up to him and was like oh my gosh and i looked at my clarinet 
and I, I threw it on the floor in band class, and I said, I ran over to him, I said, bro, you got to teach me how to do that. You know, so he taught me how to play it, and then I told my parents, I was like, I ain't playing clarinet no more. I'm like, I'm trying to be on that piano like Prince. And my dad was like, boy, you will be in band. You you go do, do your marching band. I said, I can't do it. You know, and then so between that moment and the birth of house, that was my transition Prince and, you know, Farley Jack Master Funk. So I find yeah. it interesting with you that you were on guitar first. Yeah. Right? That's incredible. You know, and that, and I think you can hear that in your productions. And when it comes to longevity, because we both came in at around the same time. We were we came up under like, you know, the, the people who escorted in the scene. You know, yeah. and then I think you were a little before me anyway. Um, you had your first record when you were like fifteen or something, right? Yeah, but I, my success then kicked really until I got to England, and I and I, that's right. when we came in. I, like that's when like the world was finding out about us at like the same time. Because I posted the yeah. generator picture of me on the cover. And you were on the cover, I think, a month before. I had to do my research. I'm like, and I remember, I'm like, damn, this guy's my age. We're doing the yeah. same thing. He's from Detroit. Nick yeah. the I did it first. We're in the same hospital. <laughs> <laughs> we both like Prince. Now we both played instruments before electronic house techno. I hope you enjoyed part one of the Carl Craig three-part one of three interview. And let's not forget, Carl, all the critics love you, me, and Prince. Give it up for Prince and the Revolution. All the critics love you in New York. You're listening to Fox Radio with Felix Tyler. You can dance if you want to. All the critics love you in New York. You don't have to keep the beat. They'll still think it's neat in New York. You can wear what you want to. You could cut off all your hair I don't think they'd care In New York Why you can play what you want to All the critics love you In New York They won't say that you're naive If you play what you believe In New York Don't show it The reason that you're cool Is cause you're from the old school And they know it You can dance if you want to All the critics love you in New York You can dance if you want to all the critics love you in New York Yeah.
Techno got hijacked. House music got hijacked. Yeah, you know, um, everything got trap music. Luckily, they're they're trying to keep it in as hood as they can. But those greedy motherfuckers, man, they just (laughs) (laughs) you know. Well, well, you know, well, you know. I think I'm gonna tell you. I think I think trap music is so successful because when when I was living in Atlanta. You know, the one thing about Atlanta with Southern hospitality and the, and the whole vibe there is everyone helps everyone. You know, everyone is not. I mean, you get a few beefs, but it's not serious. You know, it's like everyone helps each other. Everyone jumps on everyone's track. Everyone's like, come in the studio, record. You know, I, when I went, when I moved down there, like da- like Dallas, because I went to school in the South. I went to Alabama State, flunked out. But just being in the South, and my mom was from the South. You know, I, I find the reason, one reason trap is so successful, and like you said, they're trying to protect it like that, is because the, the, that culture down there, everyone helps everyone. You know, everyone, everyone's cool with everyone. I'm, like I said, you might get a few beats because, you know, the new generation, like with the social media and the, and the what's real, what's not real, you know, what's, how hoodie are you not, you know, so, but uh, besides that, you know, you're right, you know, I think, they're representing it to the point where they can still protect it and it can still be grimy and crazy and they could go crazy as they want and people eat it up. And also it didn't get over intellectualized as well. And that's what happened with house music and techno music, especially techno music, is that it got over intellectualized and you had it become uh, the darling of, of writers and journalists and stuff, music reviewers. Just like, the music oh, snobs. The music snobs. The people don't smile. They're afraid to smile when they hear a song. They want to look serious. They want to look cool. But well, that's, that's a jazz thing, though. So that, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That's a jazz thing. Miles, 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 but look, you know, serious and you cool. Know, it, it, he was it, cool. It, 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 
it did get hijacked in that way though where it was you know like so intellectualized that they had to change the name every and that's that's the that's english deep. That really that that's deep. Where, they, where they said okay well you know what this isn't cool anymore now it's got to be progressive now it's you're gotta going be you, intelligent you're going super deep because now, now you got me thinking like house techno we're gonna call it dance music or we're gonna call it edm or we're gonna come you know I'm, i used to get mad i, I would just be like I, I, I noticed this like in the 90s like the name change is starting to, like dance music you know i'm like just call it house or techno and then you got all these categories you know so you're right you know yeah rock and roll look at rock and roll you know rhythm and blues this yeah. is you know like you, you hit a good point you know you said the journalists you know you got to think about it has to be put in some type of category in a sense where people can know what they're getting into but yeah it's no and right what, it's no and what the problem too with that is that that we get caught in the crossfire you know the artists get caught in the crossfire True. because True. you know we're we're doing what we do and many times it's like hey what do you call this because like with with techno you know that was the question when the press started coming when they did that techno uh, new sound of detroit compilation right. it was the press was starting to come and they're like oh yeah we love the streets of life stuff and we love you know <laughs> we love what you what kevin did on we pop a girl uh you know whatever we we love all this stuff what do you call it and you know, everybody's kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. And I think Derek wanted to call it, you know, high tech, high tech soul, or he wanted to call it, you know, the moon and the stars come from above, and, and aliens come down and sweep us up into a spiritual world. And that's what we call it, you know. And Kevin or, and Juan was the one who just said, you know, we call it techno, and that was it. And that it became techno. You know, so if it wasn't for Juan saying, you know, we call it techno, I don't know what it would have been called. But of course, mm -hmm. in the meantime, you know, everyone took hold of it and tried to call yeah. it their own. Not not only people that are making the songs, but yeah, the journalists. The, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it, that's know, that, because right. because the music was was blowing up in the UK, and the UK is so, or oh, London at least, such a trendy city. Yeah, you, man, like with the Electro Clash thing, like like I didn't even come up with that name. Like when, when we did Kittens in a Glitch, I'm like, I'm channeling Prince, I'm channeling Vanity Six, I'm trying, I'm channeling Human League, I'm channeling New Wave, I'm channeling Power, like these are just a vibe. And then um, Larry T, crazy ass, you know, and he's a nice guy. He said, we're going to call it Electro Clash. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? What is that? <laughs> like, you know, that's when people, like I told my manager, I was like, I will not come near if you say the word, if someone interview, I said, I will stop the tape. I will, I'm out of the room. You know, because it's just like, you, once you get labeled on a trend, when a trend dies, they will kill you with that trend. Yes, and they will, exactly. You know, they will wipe you out, you know? And that's, Prince, he was the first person, one of the acts to come through the new wave stereotype. Because mm -hmm. everything he was making was new wave or disco. And he mm -hmm. was consciously, like constantly evolving to come out of that, whole stereotype a couple bands yeah. made it through like Depeche Mode made it through there a couple a couple bands just stayed into that world yeah. you know like yeah. um like um uh, what's the name uh Soft Cell you know they right. they kind of got stuck in that you know as incredible right. Right. as they are you know like the fix a lot of these groups you know I think Gary Newman he he 
you know, he would come working with Nine Inch Nails and it like would be one of the biggest heroes, but he almost got caught in that. So you're right. Like we get caught yeah. up in that hype crossfire. Like they was trying, they was just trying to kill me when the whole mm-hmm. electro clash died. And I'm like, motherfuckers, right. y'all don't, y'all, y'all would realize like I'm, I'm a musician at heart. Like right. I, I, I played house music, Felix the house cat. You know, so yeah, you right, never right. put me in that, you know, so yeah, I you know, he, had to because you can. You can come out and I mean and and basically say, look, if it wasn't for me, there would be a lot of house records that y'all probably wouldn't have heard because I was in there early enough making tracks. So fuck you and right. fuck you. Right. Electro clash and all that. We're gonna cut to a break. And right now, we got Moody Man's remix of Touch Your Body with myself, Felix Housecat, Jamie Principal. I think out of all of the remixes, this has to be like my favorite. So give it up for Kenny Dixon Jr. from the D representing Detroit.
Craig and my Chicago brethren, Green Velvet. So right now, we're going to take you to my favorite part of the show. You already know what it is. This is what I call Old School Jam. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm about to take you there. Hypnotic Tango. Hypnotic. My mind. One of my favorites. But as I say, when it comes to the old school jam, they all my favorites.
enjoy the old school jam, my mind. 1983, go figure. That was that Italo disco vibe. Word on the street, they were from Italy. Turney. This track right here is definitely one of the blueprints that I grew up on on the south side of Chicago when all I had was the Hot Mix 5. They introduced me to this. Am I on key? All right, all right. So let's continue with the third and final installment, my conversation with the one and only Detroit representing native Carl Craig. I never saw Prince labeled as anything because he was just making the music. But Rick James tried to label punk his funk. music as punk, punk funk. funk. Yeah, the punk funk. And it just it just didn't fly. It didn't it didn't work. And no. then, you know, with Nile Rogers, I never met Nile, but I... Oh, he's the greatest, book. nicest person ever. He I'm has sure great stories, too. He seems too. like he is. He has and great he, uh, stories. He wrote in his book about how, you know, one day they were they were on top of the world, and then after... After the Chicago the racist burnt them records. Yeah, then, <laughs> then he couldn't he couldn't get... I'm not going to say Chicago racist. Let me reword that. I'm not going to say Chicago racist, just the people who just wasn't comfortable in their own skin when it came to gays and blacks and, you know, just having fun expressing themselves, you know. And those people, those people were manipulated. And that guy only did it because he didn't have a job anymore. <laughs> that was the only Man, thing. And, and, it, and it had to be in Chicago. Like, why yeah. Why y'all go do this to the home birth the house music? But it was, but you know, that made it, it went back underground and then yeah. it, it reemerged. You but know, wasn't so. that, wasn't that the, what was that? The uh, Was it the, the, the White Sox versus the Tigers or something? <laughs> it, was, it was like Chicago versus Detroit, I think, that, that, when they did that. <laughs> But you're right now had to like he had to like go back into his musicianness, not to take the like he wasn't a musician then, but he had to like that's when he was like hooked up with like Duran Duran and the power station and yeah. David Boy and like he and he, I didn't even know he made reflex. Uh like I didn't find out till like right before he met but right before he wrote his book. But I tell you a quick funny story when I first met him. Yeah. Uh, it was Brian Ferry, Duran Duran, and, and Niall in the studio. I think this was 2002. And uh, when I saw him, I just went up to him. I was like, bro, you're like my hero, la, la, la. You know, because I love Duran Duran. I never, I, I never even heard of Brian Ferry. That's the funny part of the story. <laughs> but this, this is going to blow your mind. So it was it was, it was Duran Duran, Niall Rogers, uh, Brian Ferry, and Nick Rose. I knew Nick Rose Duran Duran. So I, I was like, oh, man, Niall, I, I love you, blah, blah, blah. We was talking. And then I was like, Nick Rose, I love you. You know, you, you, man, you're sensing during that. I didn't talk to Simon LeBron. I talked to Nick Rose. Most we clicked, just with our energy. And then I whispered in Tommy Sunshine. I was like, who is that? Who's that tall guy? He said his name is Brian Ferry. Who's that? And I was like, you never heard of Brian Ferry? Are you kidding me? And they were giggling, <laughs> laughing in the room. And then me and Brian, he's like, you don't know Roxy music? I said, well, I know 
of it. I said, mind you, I was like a 15 year old kid on the south side of Chicago watching Friday night videos, man. Like I didn't get to that side of the spectrum. My parents were playing Stevie Wonder and Harold Melvin Blue Notes. So all I got was BMX and Hot Mix 5. You know, right, so that right. was like the yeah. show, you know, that was, yeah. that was, but my point is it's like, you know, now he, 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 he is like, he, he's he's the dude, you know, super nice. And I was yeah. I was talking now before the whole Daft Punk connect. Like we were, yeah. you know, we were, we would always like be on the phone. And I'll just be like, tell me stories before he wrote his book. And he would just tell me mm -hmm. the wildest stories, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, yeah he. Uh, but what he what he what I remember he wrote was that you know he had that argument with, look, we ain't disco. We're, you know, we make, we're probably more jazz, you know? He's right, like, right. What the hell are you talking about? And, but they did get typecasted as disco thing and, and, uh, you know, had to, had to take a huge hiatus right. as far as making music was concerned. And, and you could hear it also from what he did later as chic or, or as whatever, um, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know how much. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it was cocaine talking too. <laughs> this is cocaine speaking. I can make you do anything, cocaine. buddy. Definitely, <laughs> exactly. Look at, him, look at him now, though. Everything comes back, man. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm loving the fact that you're playing a lot of more. Uh, like everything's going back fun, man. Everybody's just too serious. People want to party. People want to dance. People want to vibe. Like the seriousness shit is about to go out the window if it hasn't already gone. You know, it's it's gone. You know, people want to have fun. People want people who standing out want to get to be a part of it. You know, the ones who can't afford to be a part of it. You know, there are platforms we could get them to catch a vibe. You know, like brother disco cuts and say turn your phone off and dance <laughs> yeah right but you have to but you have to you have to um remember and derek may has said this to me a long time ago um he says brother as a black man you'll never be taken totally serious as a black man you'll never be taken totally serious because people see you as an entertainer always. Yeah. They'll never see you as being an artist. Yeah, that's deep. And it's, it's super deep because you look at the history of what we had, and in reality, if Miles Davis never came on the scene, then everyone would think that musicians had to smile, they had to ham it up, they had to cheese for you every time right. that you saw them. So, right. uh, and I and I posed the question, you know, or it, it wasn't necessarily a question; it was a statement. I said that if you take a hundred people and you ask them who's a better trumpet player, Miles Davis or Louis Armstrong, I would say that the majority, ninety-nine percent of those people, or at least ninety percent of those people would say Louis Armstrong because when they saw a photo of Louis Armstrong, he's smiling. <laughs> he's not a threat. <laughs> he's not a threat, exactly. Where Miles is like, Miles was, was, you know, they actually had one album from Miles Davis called Miles Smiles. And that was the only photo that you ever see on an album cover with Miles smiling. And very rarely one of the photos that you ever see of Miles smiling because Miles didn't smile a whole lot for photos. He wasn't hamming it up because he knew right. 
He knew exactly what Derek had said, right. that people had the idea that you're a black musician, you're supposed to smile, you're supposed to dance, you're supposed to do all these things that are right. that are part of, of the legacy of what we think is black music, you know? Right. And it's not the legacy, it's a stereotype. And the legacy no. of, of black music is that it's music and that is as good and serious as any other music as, uh, that, that has been made. And, you know, um, classical composers have taken cues from jazz music. Classical composers have even taken cues from African music and African rhythms right. and stuff. Bolero, you know, you listen to uh, people talk about Beethoven. He's probably the blackest, blackest composer around. You know, because this stuff is is more like he's got more of an up tempo kind of funk thing that's that's going on with this stuff. So right, right. You know, another thing is it's it's, it's that discipline too, bro. Like when you discipline, you know, at your craft, you're not really smiling it up, hamming it up. You, you're taking your craft very seriously. You know, when it comes to the discipline, you know. You know, when I'm saying having fun, I'm not sitting up there saying, let's shoot the jab. <laughs> but I had moments where I would be that I was that dude. I was I was out of control, you know, pouring tequila in people's eyeballs and jumping around. And, and it just took too much away from the, what I was doing. You know, so I had to I had to find my balance. Like, how can I rock this party and people have fun and make them a part of it? But I don't have to do I don't have to put on that 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 party hat. Uh, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the promoters know what they're getting themselves into when they yeah. book you. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. they know who's going to play the game, who's going to sell the tickets. They know who's not going to play the game. You know, they, 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 they do their research, especially in the time we are in now, you know. So I think it's great. Like even you, you know how to find your balance. You rocking it. You having a good time. You know, you don't have to stage dive and be like, y'all want, want me to throw throw my underwear out at you. <laughs> you know, you have to understand what between the theatrics and just, you know, just inter like entertain the people in a way where you keep your integrity. Yeah, it's, it's a deep combo, Carl Craig. <laughs> deep, 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 deep. Yes, deep, no, you, deep. No, you touched on a lot of things, man. It's, it's incredible. It's great. But with your, with, with your situation, what you're saying about, you know, pouring drinks and uh, pouring eyeball, uh, people's eyeballs and stuff, which is funny <laughs> and it's fun at the time. But what we always have to remember as performers or as musicians or as anything, well, when you're behind the decks, that, that's inevitably people would expect for you to perform of some I sort. Agree, you know? I agree 100%. I agree 100%. But yeah. if, we even, if we even look at the guys before us, so you look at somebody like David Lee Roth, for instance, that motherfucker burned out. <laughs> you know, you can you can be the wild man. Of I burned roll, out. I burned out. I burned, burned out. out. There was I a burned time out. It really I worked. Do, I can do shots with the whole club and keep pouring mezcal in people's eyes and and getting on the mic. I burned out. I was like, because now the promoters want you to do that shit every night for the next ten right. years. I burned out, and I'm not even living. I can't even imagine these cats. The energy that takes them just to get on that stage and, and right. jump. You got to do that split and jump and spin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a gigolo everywhere I go. <laughs> so, you know, with, with, and what performers did too, like, 
Uh, they, I don't know if you ever watched this uh, Metal Apocalypse uh, uh, cartoon where they have um, this guy that's a clown. He's called Mr. Rock, uh, Dr. Roxo, the clown, and he's he's basically David Lee Raw, and his no, saying is. Clown. His saying is, uh, I'm Dr. Roxo and I love cocaine. <laughs> but but for for other other people that have uh, like for instance Dean Martin uh, is another example. Dean Martin was always you know he was always like the drunk guy on stage. Yeah, he had a drink to, in his hand all the time. He always had a drink in his hand, but it was never alcohol. Yeah, that's what too many DJs do. Oops. <laughs> Oh my God, he's drinking all this champagne. But well, you know, if you want to, I mean, if you can be a wild man on stage and you can maintain that, but just drink water and make it where people think that you're fucking drinking mascal the whole time. Then, well, yeah, I okay, made the mistake you know, and said, I want to live it. I want to put it all out there. I made that mistake. And yeah. <laughs> yep. yep, it happens. It happens. But thank you, Carl, right, so it. much on the episode. Never. I appreciate you, man. Keep doing your thing. Keep representing. And I'm looking forward to part two. Yeah, we got to do a part two. You never know. This was probably part five. We touched so many subjects. <laughs> All right, yeah, love you, but I appreciate it. All right, and, uh, All right, later, boss. Peace. Peace. Take it easy. <laughs> Give it up for Carl Craig. Great cat. Cool cat. Creative cat. Genius cat. And it was great for him to have a conversation with the house cat. Much love to that, brother. Keep doing your thing, Carl, and I appreciate having you. And all you guys who tuned in, thank you for tuning in. We're going to end it up with Liaison Dangerous. Put that to the pa. Classic. This has been a Founders of Filth production. 